Uh, well, let's pray tonight before we get started and ask the Lord to be with us. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to speak your word tonight, God, to hear your word tonight. I ask you if you would minister to us, Jesus. God, minister to our hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, if you would touch our ears, God, to hear, God, our minds, to comprehend what your word says tonight, Jesus. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge us, Lord, in this place tonight, God. We give you praise and glory and honor for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start our new series tonight is called Made for More. Made for More. And uh, the first topic we're going to talk about uh, tonight is going to be discover your purpose. Um, I don't know about you, but it is a lot easier for me to do something and I feel be successful at it if I actually know the purpose behind what I'm doing. Right? If someone walked up to you uh, and handed you a shovel and just said, here, go do the work. Uh, what's what's the purpose, right? You know the purpose of a shovel. Uh, it's to dig something, but what is the purpose behind? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, so I'm hoping that, that we can figure that out in this class over the next few weeks. Um, just trying to figure out what our purpose is. Uh, and to understand that we're made for more. That we're not here yeah. just to exist. Amen. You know, when, when the Lord created you, formed you in your mother's womb, he had a plan for every individual, every person in the room tonight. Amen. You know, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a minister, or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. God has a plan for every single one of us. And all of us, whether you have a call in your life to be a minister or be a pastor, or you have a call in your life to be, you know, a, a, a saint that is reaching souls, whatever God has called you to do, maybe God's called you to be, uh, you know, there, I believe there are people that are called to, to be doctors. Yep. You say, what? Yep. I think that there, there are people that are called to do uh, what we would say like a blue-collar job. Well, how is that? How will God call you that? Because he might call you to, to, to a place that becomes your mission field, mm -hmm. that you reach people that nobody else would because no one else is there. So God can use us. There is a purpose for everyone in this room tonight. Amen. All right, so you were created for a purpose, and that purpose is more. Um, every man in this church has the potential to be something more than we currently are. Now, I told you we would hear them. Uh, they've got a purpose. <laughs> Try. I'm glad you're sitting there. Glad you're sitting there. <laughs> but we, you were created for a purpose. You are created for more. Um, and, and I love to look at that to think that who we are right now is not what you have to be a year from now. Truth, right. You can be more. You say, I have the ability to do that? Yes. There is always room for growth. Amen. Uh, I, I've said for a while now that, you know, the day that you think you've learned it all, <laughs> oh, Lord, that day that you stop growing is the day you start dying. Amen. And th that means in every area of our life. I think there is always room for improvement. All right. So let's look at um, the provisions for the journey to, to find that purpose. Um, we will specifically focus on five basic daily provisions that are necessary for this journey. And the destination being the fulfillment of potential in our life. One is purpose, or I say purpose. Purpose. Two, hope. 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 Encouragement. Encouragement. A positive attitude. A positive attitude. And determination. Determination. You have to have determination. Yes, you do. So tonight we're going to look at that uh, strategy number one. We're going to look at discover your purpose. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, reading from the NLT. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And this is the NLT, so it might read a little different if you have King James Version. Or... But Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, NLT, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So there's a whole lot of purpose in this scripture. <laughs> Be careful how you live. That means live with purpose. Oh, yeah. Means that you make decisions on purpose. You do everything on purpose. Don't live like fools live, be wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I would say it's probably safe to say we're living in evil days. Yes. Don't act thoughtlessly. 
It means put some thought into what you do. Right. Don't just wake up in the morning and be like, I have no plan. <laughs> just going to go, I have no plan. No, put some thought into it. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. So in order to do that, we must understand this important principle. All growth is intentional. There is no other way. That there are no accidental successes. Truth. <laughs> no accidental successes. So evangelist Billy Graham, I think everyone here knows who I'm talking about. Probably the most well-known preacher of the modern era. Certainly one of the most influential Christian leaders of the past century. Was 99 years old when he passed away. And in over 70 years of ministry, that's a long time, 70 years of ministry, he preached in 185 countries. It is estimated that in his lifetime, he ministered to over 2.2 billion people through large crusades and television, all while living a life without scandal or controversy. For a television, t- television preacher... That's hard to do. That's success right there. (laughs) That kind of influence and kind of life doesn't just happen by accident. He had to put effort into this. It requires intentionality, a sense of purpose, and an unwavering focus. So he lived his life. I I think it's safe to say that he lived his life on purpose. Amen. With purpose. So growth does not happen by chance or luck. Uh, it is not the result of good wishes, good intentions, the encouragement of others, um, and the blessings of God, but it must be intentionally pursued. It requires a sustainable approach that involves both purpose and purposefulness. So I want you to think of areas of your life where growth, maybe uh, you would say is stagnated. It's kind of stopped. Um, we're just going to take a moment right now, and I want you to do that. I want you to think about it. Um, I wish I would have had. Is there any pens? Ooh, yes, there. Would you look? A whole bunch of them right there. Would you just look uh, at that right there? Uh, would you mind helping me? Let's uh, pass that out. If you need paper, I got a whole stack of stuff down here. <laughs> yeah. Anybody need a piece of paper? Oh, look at that. That's even. That's really nice right there. Even says notes on it. How about that? There you go. For your notes. Thank you. See, told you. It's for your notes. Let's see if I got more of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you can grab a clipboard. I don't know if there's enough for everybody. You can grab one, though. Anybody else need paper for notes? Some papers. Pass those around. All right, we good? Need a piece of paper? Let me find you a notes piece. Look at that. Look at that. Those are ones that were printed for people that are supposed to be. Are you one? Just write your paper so that way you can read. Notes. Yeah, you can see directions. You just go upstairs and tell them that you your notes are on that paper. Right there. Notes. All right, so I want you to think of areas in your life. So this is, you're getting personal right here. You're, you're talking to yourself, examining yourself. And I want you to think of the areas that you say, well, growth kind of stopped. Like you're just kind of stagnant. Like you're not growing. Like nothing's really happening. And you don't know why nothing's really happening. Uh, and I want you to just really think about that. And um, we're just going to take, we'll take 60 seconds. And I want you to write, just, just, just. Nobody else, don't be peeking at papers. Just write it down if you feel like there's something in your life where you feel like you haven't really grown. Maybe that's reading the Bible. Maybe it's a relationship that you have that you feel like this really hasn't grown. Um, whatever it is, your walk with God. Maybe you feel like it's just kind of just, it's just kind of there, like I haven't grown in a while. Whatever it, whatever it is, why don't you just write it down real quick.
30 seconds. Areas of your life that you feel is stagnated. Everybody good? All right. So in order to implement this strategy, the discover of personal purpose, we must understand four key ideas. And this is the heart of our focus tonight. Number one is the fallacy of time. Very interesting concept. The power of vision. Uh, we are looking. Um, it determines what we see and where we're going. So your vision determines where you're going to head. Uh, you have to have vision. Remember, we talk about being intentional, thinking things through. Uh, you got to have that vision of where you're going. Um, the brutal facts, we must deal with them. Um, one of the hardest things to do with the brutal facts when you see yourself, and you know yourself better than anybody else but God. Um, a lot of times you see there's things that you need to deal with, and some people just kind of take that rug, kick it up, push it under there, nobody knows about it, right? Yeah. So you don't have to deal with it if it's under there. But well, we're going to talk about the brutal facts tonight. Um, the internal engine, what is driving you? What is the source of your inspiration or motivation? All right, so let's look at some practical steps to put this strategy into action. Let's look at the fallacy of time. Growth takes time, but time alone does not produce growth, right? Growth takes time. You're not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say, man, I want to weigh, I want to weigh 240 pounds, and tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look like Brooke Jack. I'm not going to look like Jack in the morning, right? Because he's put a whole lot of time into this, right? There's some of us who have put a whole lot of time in to get this, this shape that we have. We've put effort into this, right? Expanding, absolutely. I'm in shape. I'm perfectly round, perfectly round. You know, and um, <laughs> some people are convinced that time is an ally, that if you just wait around long enough, eventually things will get better and they will improve. Um, there's even a popular saying that time heals all wounds. Or just give it some time. Uh, we've probably all said that. Um, not necessarily true, though. Time is important. It's an important element when it comes to the process of growth and healing. But time alone is not enough. Age alone um, does not equal maturity. Well, I know. You're, some of y'all, your mind went to someone, you just thought of somebody like, yep. Uh, maturity does not magically appear when a teenager turns 18. Preach. Right. And is considered an adult by law. Uh, anybody in here, when you hit 18, you thought, man, this is it. That's it. Come on. Yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. I've arrived. Life by the Maturity requires training and discipline and correction. Yes. It, uh, it's really sad to see uh, an old, immature person. Um, you say, man, there's just no, the growth just didn't happen. So in the same way, time alone does not heal wounds, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Healing may take time, but time is not the agent of healing. Physical healing and recovery requires nutrition, rest, medicine, maybe therapy, and rehab. Mm -hmm. Spiritual healing requires confession, repentance, forgiveness, and maybe counseling. So add five years to the life of a bitter, resentful person, and you simply get a bitter, resentful person who is five years older. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Spiritual growth and healing requires action, uh, consistent and purposeful action. Waiting doesn't produce that. You must do something. Amen. You yeah. have to do something. If yeah. you know there's an issue, then you got to take the steps towards fixing that issue. Uh, the parable of the talents illustrates this. Digging a hole and hiding your talent and holding, hoping something good happens doesn't get the job done. Right. So you can't bury potential and hope it turns into gold. Amen. Awareness of the need is not enough. Desire alone is not enough. Doing the exact same thing you've always done, you get the same results you've always had, right? So this is the fallacy of time. Uh, all right, so now let's talk about the power of vision. 
You must have a compelling vision for your life in order to grow. All change is driven by one or two forces, passion or pain. Anybody, you've been driven by passion to do something, right? Um, I mean, anybody in here that, you know, if, if you're married or if you've been married, that first time you saw your spouse, it's like, man, it was passion that was driving you to say, I'm going to make this happen. Right? Yeah. I'll never forget sitting on that on the uh, on the platform at camp. I saw Sister B for the first time. I was like, man, that is that's my dream girl right there. Man, I was like, yep, that's probably never going to happen. But put forth a little bit of effort. <laughs> Here we are, almost twenty years later, four kids. Hallelujah! Uh, it works. Uh, just a little bit of passion, because if it's not passion that's going to get you something, that's going to be pain. Yeah. Something, it's one of those things that's going to drive you. So until the pain of staying the same, Mark Batterson said this. Mark Batterson said, until the pain of staying the same becomes more acute than the pain of change, nothing happens. We simply maintain the status quo and we convince ourselves that playing it safe is safe. But the greatest risk is taking no risk at all. Amen. So Paul is a, Paul, or I'm sorry, pain is a good motivator. But it is typically not uh, sustainable motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to be in pain all the time, right? I, I mean, come on, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to, to stimulate growth, you don't want to be in pain all the time. Passion is much stronger and longer lasting as a motivator for change. You must have a vision for your life that becomes the passion that both drives and sustains you. So we look at Joseph, the dreamer. If If ever there was a person who discovered the power of vision, it was Joseph, the dreamer. God gave him a vision of his future potential, that he would be in a position of authority and power over his older brothers and even his parents. So this was something that was highly unlikely in that particular culture. That would not have happened. But Joseph's brothers hated him because of the dreams. And not everyone will understand the visions that God gives you for your future. Not everyone's going to understand when you share those things for your future. Not everyone's going to agree with you. So even though he was betrayed by his brothers, he was sold into slavery, lied on in Potiphar's house, and forgotten in prison. You say, wow, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, look at that list. How would you like to have that? Sold into slavery, you betrayed by your own brothers, lied on, and then forgotten about in prison. But we see in Genesis 42 and 9, it says, And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, You are spies, that you have come to see the nakedness of the land. So he held on to that vision. It was the vision that kept him going. When he's in prison, he's sitting here in prison. He's in prison for, for something he didn't even do. He was lied on. He's sitting in prison. It was, while he's in, while he's in prison, it was the vision that he knew. He knew that God gave him a vision years ago. And he held on to that vision. That's what kept him going. And it, it became a reality. And his unwavering faithfulness to that vision placed him in a position of authority, not to be served by his brothers and parents, but to save them and the entire world from famine. How powerful is that? Amen. So ask you tonight, what is your vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your life? Are you living just day by day? Or do you have, is there something that you're looking out to or where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do or maybe for your family or maybe for yourself or maybe for a career or whatever it is? Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe your vision is to be the best husband I can be, uh, to be a better husband. You know, a year from now, I want to be a better husband. Uh, maybe be a, a better father or um, maybe I, I want to disciple the lost like I never have. Mm-hmm. I want to reach a soul. Uh, maybe you say, I've never taught a Bible study before. So, you know, I, I'm, by next year, I, I, I want to be able to teach somebody a Bible study and tell how good God's been to me and, and give my testimony. And um, maybe a preacher of the gospel, maybe a particular occupation that enables you to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, blessing others or blessing the kingdom of God. Uh, community leader or an influencer. Maybe this is something that is a goal or a vision that you have in, in your life. And we have to understand that God has a purpose. Whatever that vision is, you say, God, what is that vision? What is it you have for me? What's my purpose? God has a purpose for you. 
So there is something for everyone in this room tonight that you can look to. And you say, well, I just don't really, I'm not quite sure what it is. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing to say I could grow as a husband or I can improve as a dad. Uh, I can improve as a saint. I can improve my relationship with God. Um, that's a pretty good vision. It's a good place to start. <laughs> that's a great place to start. So how do I know what it is? He said, well, Pastor, I don't know what that vision is yet. I'm not quite sure, you know, what the purpose is that God has for my life. Well, how do you know what it is? Well, first off, you pray about it. You ask God. God, what is it that you have for me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to reach? Or, you know, what, whatever that may be. Read the word of God is the second thing. You want to get into the word of God. Let it minister unto you. Let it speak to you. Um, ask others, spiritual leaders and friends in your life. You know, ask them to, to speak into your life. And when you discover this passion, it will lead you to the fulfillment of potential in your life. Because this is the power of vision. It is a motivator. It is the eternal guide in this journey of life that we have. You have to have vision. You have to know where you're going. I'll never forget when I was a kid. I know you've probably heard me tell this story before, but it's, I've never forgotten it. I never, my, my dad, um, for those, I, I guess it would only be you that had the opportunity. I guess you did get to meet my dad once when he came down to church. But if you knew my dad, he, um, he was very particular about his yard, how it was mowed. And it had to look like a golf course. <laughs> and he would mow it both directions every time he would mow. And uh, he said the grass would grow straight if you did that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I just think he liked mowing. <laughs> but his lines were perfect, almost like he set on a rope. I'm like, stay on that rope. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, he let my brother mow once and uh, never did that again. Uh, he mowed in circles from the outside in. And my dad said, don't. <laughs> no, you're not mowing anymore. No. Uh, but I'll never forget, I could take you to the spot in Groveport, and, and my dad was mowing, and I, I said, how do you get the line so straight? I'm serious, like, how do you do that? He said, you want me to tell you? I said, well, yeah. Well, I'm asking, I want to know. He said, okay. He said, look, look down at the end of the yard. I said, okay. He said, find something that, like a fixed, you know, something that's fixed in the yard, like a fence post or something, a tree. I said, okay. He said, find something down there. He said, I want you to fix your eyes on that. And I want you just to walk to it while you're pushing the motor. He's like, it's really that, it's that easy, Dad? He's like, yeah. So I did. And I, I fixed my eyes on that, and I just walked right towards it. And when I got to the end, I turned around. I was like, you got to be kidding me. It wasn't like this. It was straight. And I realized it, that, that moment was teaching me how to mow grass, but he actually was teaching me how to live my life. Yeah. I didn't realize it then. I'm a little older now, and I realize it. But I realized, I looked, you have to be focused on something. If you're not focused on something, then you're going to be, you're going to be distracted by everything. You will be. I mean, if your eye is not on, you know, living for the Lord and doing what God wants me to do and that purpose that God has given you, then any little tiny purpose or any little tiny vision that comes along, you're just going to be, you're going to be gone. You're going to be like, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. You know what I mean? You're going to be everywhere. You know? There's all kinds of distractions. Even more now than ever. That's why, you know, like, like starting today, we did that three-day media fast. Because you push that stuff out of the way. And it's amazing how your focus changes, how your vision changes. You start hearing from God. Because you're not hearing from the news and you're not hearing all the bad stuff that's going on out there. And you just kind of push that stuff to the side and you start fasting and praying and, and you allow the Lord to speak. You're, you're correcting that vision. You're bringing yourself from here to here in alignment with God. You have to have the vision. So don't let the doubters distract you or discourage you. Keep going even when it seems like everything is going wrong. And everyone is against you. And there are going to be times you feel like I'm living for God. I'm doing everything I can. But I feel like, I just feel like it's not, <laughs> like nothing's going right. You ever been there? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Been there. And, and there's those moments. But it's in those moments that you really have to stay focused on that vision. You really got to stay focused on that purpose. And say, there's more to me than the issue. There's more to me than the situation. This is going to pass. This will be behind me before I know it. If I keep focused on the vision, right? It's not easy. 
It's not always easy. Uh, but God will get you through it. Hold on to that vision. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I want you to, uh, we, we kind of wrote down some things that we were, we feel like we're kind of stagnant on. But I want you, since we've been talking about this, I want you to take the next 60 seconds and I want you to write down a vision for your life. Write down something that you want to focus on, uh, you know, maybe just over the next year, something you want to focus on, or maybe it's something you feel like for my life, I want to start focusing more on this. And that, that vision, I want you to write it down uh, on your paper real quick over the next 60 seconds. If there's some things you want to really start focusing on. Big quiz. <laughs> Everyone who passes get a big old steak. Oh, hey. oh come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. Like if there wasn't a quiz, let's have one now. Yeah, come on, yeah. All right. So, uh, you don't have to say it, but what has God revealed to you about your potential? That vision is something you could do. Now, if you say it tonight and you say nothing, nothing. Anyone who would tell me nothing then I would have to ask them, have you asked him what it is? Um, a lot of times say, I just, don't, I just don't feel like the Lord's not speaking to me. I'm like, well, have you asked him to? That's a good start. Um, so you say, if I'm not quite sure, keep asking him. You know, when, when the Lord's not speaking, there are times when you feel like, we feel like he's went silent on us. Um, Actually, I think I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, about that message I had preached a couple years ago. Um, Listen, for I am speaking. Um, even in his silence, he's saying a whole lot. A lot of times when he's not answering, um, he, he's speaking louder than if he would come down and yell at us sometimes, which I feel like he probably wants to, like, come on. You know what I mean? I feel like if I was God, there'd be a lot of, come on, just listen, right? Uh, we all have. All right. So how can we adjust our life to add passion in order to accomplish the vision? So the vision, the vision that you just wrote down, in order to fulfill the vision, there has to be something driving you. We talked about earlier. There has to be a driving force. So what can we adjust? And it's going to take some adjustment, I would think. What can we adjust in our life to make that passion uh, be uh, our driving force in order to accomplish the vision. So if you don't add passion, hear this one. If you do not add passion, God will add pain. You say, God will add pain? Yeah. God will add pain. If you don't add passion, then in order for, if you're asking the Lord to help you get there, but you don't put forth any passion and effort to do it, and God said, when you're asking me to get you there, Sometimes it's going to take the pain of a situation to get you there. Anybody ever, you've been through something in life that was very painful, but you realize, I needed that. I had to go through that. It was not fun, but I had to go through it. So let's look at number three, the brutal facts. The brutal facts. You cannot move forward until you face the truth about where you are. That's one of the hardest things I think for people to do is just that self-examination. Where am I? Where am I in life? Like we talked about in the beginning, you know, are you stagnant in some areas of your life? Maybe some, some of us in the room tonight, maybe it was your first time in years that you examined yourself to say like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I haven't really grown in that area in a long time. <laughs> you know, maybe some of us in this room tonight were like, you know what? My prayer life is not what it used to be. I don't read the word like I used to. My faithfulness is not there like it used to be. Or maybe you're looking at it and say, like, I feel like I plateaued at a place in my prayer life that I shouldn't have. There's so much more to go. There's so much more room to grow. 
Or maybe you say, like, in your marriage, like my relationship, it could be better. I can still grow. There's room for improvement. You know, maybe as a father, there's room for improvement. We all have that. So you cannot move forward until you face the truth about where you are. And in order to understand where you are, you must be brutally honest with yourself. I would rather be brutally honest with myself than have somebody else be brutally honest with me, right? Or kicking it under the rug. Mm -hmm. So you need an honest assessment of who you are, where you are, and where you are headed. Those Those three things, who you are, where you are, and where you are headed. That means you're putting a plan in place. I'm not staying here. I'm going to grow. So remember, we're not talking about the power of positive thinking. Um, you know, a lot of people, that's, you know, if you, you think it, you're going to do it. And we're not talking about that. So <clears throat> we're not sticking our heads in the sand and wishing upon a star and hoping things get better. That's not what we're doing. Um, what was it that, do you remember that, did Jimmy share with you um, the message about don't be an ostrich? So, I say little Jimmy. He's not so little anymore. Jimmy came up to me after church when he said, Pastor, I got a message for you to preach. And I was like, give me a message. What do you got? He said, don't be an ostrich. I said, okay. Don't be an ostrich. He said, yeah. He said, when things are going crazy and they get really anxious, he said that uh, an ostrich sticks its head in the sand so it doesn't have to deal with the things around it. He said, the church in this hour cannot afford to be an ostrich. Amen. That's so true. I'm like, you're preaching next Sunday, Jimmy. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I told him, I said, don't be shocked when you hear me preach that someday. <laughs> don't be an ostrich. But it's for us tonight in this room, like, we, all of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, we're brutally honest with ourselves, there's definitely some room for improvement in our life. There's some areas in our life that are weak. There are some things that we have allowed into our life that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And instead of being that ostrich and just sticking our head in the sand and being like, I hope it goes away. I hope it goes away. No, we face it and we deal with it and we allow the Lord to help us remove it. So we do not deny the reality of our circumstances. We deny the finality, which is the conclusion or the end results of them when we do that. Mm-hmm. So things may be bad. Maybe that be really bad right now. Maybe there's things you're facing that are just not good. But they do not have to stay that bad. So you will not be able to reach your full potential without a heavy dose of self-examination. You must deal with the brutal facts. Uh, Author Jim Collins refers to this um, as the Stockdale paradox. He says this. he, He interviewed Jim Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war for eight years in Vietnam. Um, He was in the, I believe it is the Hinoai Hilton is where he was kept. He was tortured at least 20 times with no hope for being released or surviving. But he organized resistance against his uh, captors and was eventually released and received the Congressional Medal of Honor. Collins asked him, first off, how did you do this? I mean, how in the world for eight years? How did you make this happen? How did you not lose hope? And Stockdale replied, he said, I never lost, I never lost faith in the end of the story. Wow. That's pretty cool. Never lost faith in the end of the story. He said, I never doubted. Not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience and in, turn the experience into a defining moment in my life, which in retrospect I would not trade. I would do it all over again. So this is what I call one of those situations that you would never, ever ask for. (laughs) You would never say, oh, yes, I'd like to be a prisoner of war. No one signs up for that. But would never trade because of the lessons learned and the value gained from the experience. It's one of those things that we've all had those times in our life. You've been through something, but you say, you know what? I would go through it again because I am who I am today because of what I went through. So you you would never ask for the pain, but the discovery of the purpose in the pain is priceless. There are things you've gone through and you you, you grew through those times and you you look back on that and say, no, yeah, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it. I would go through it again. 
So confronting the brutal facts is really just another way to express the biblical concept of confession. Let's look at James 5.16, the NLT. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Proverbs 28.13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So healing is only possible after confession. You have to confess. You have to release the things. Success is only possible after confession. Uh, I remember I preached. This was, I wasn't here very long. And I preached a message about what God has for you and what your past uh, is holding on, what you're holding on to in your past. And uh, I just remember this, this visual that I gave and, and so there's a lot of people that you're, you're holding on to potential that God has for you. And God's saying, come on, let's go. I've got great things for you. But there are things back here of your past that really, you say they're in their past, but they're kind of really in your present because you're not letting go um, of what that is. And you're being pulled between. That there is this, this place of confession and releasing um, that allows you to step into what God has for you. The discovery of purpose and fulfillment of potential is only possible after confession, after releasing those things. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to work um, through some activities, some uh, self-assessment and such an important part of this process and allow the word of the Lord and the spirit of God to search our hearts. You have to do that. One of the greatest things you can do is open yourself up to the Lord and say, God, here I am. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but search me, Lord. Search me. Um, so allowing the word of God uh, to do that and doing some, uh, doing some just inspection of yourself, looking at your own heart. And you have to ask, you know, what is your current spiritual condition? That's one of the biggest things tonight is as men of our church and not just men of this church, but be the man of your house, the leader in your house, spiritual leader in your house. That's biblical. Ask yourself, you know, where, where am I currently at spiritually? Where is my, what, where is my relationship with God? Could it improve? Uh, could I be closer to him? You know, could, I, could I pray more? Could I read more? Um, the second thing to ask yourself tonight is this. And again, these are these things that only you and God know. That nobody else in the room, your wife might not even know, kids might not know, your best friend might not know. You know, but is there hidden sin? Are there things in your life that you are aware of, God is aware of, but nobody else is aware of? Those things that are, are hidden away and um, that you know you need to deal with, God knows you need to deal with, but is, is, there those, is there those things in your life that needs to be addressed tonight and maybe confess not, not to your pastor. You're not going to go, we're not, not going to set up a little two-room wooden box over here where you come in and confess your sins to me. All right? We're not doing that. Um, but one of the greatest things is called an altar. And it doesn't have to be upstairs in that room. Uh, it could be in your car. It could be at your house, wherever. It could be out in the woods in a deer blind. Amen. One of the greatest places I've found, just go quiet and just talk to the Lord. And you just let the Lord know, God, I'm aware of this. He said, but God already knew that you were... God already knew. He knows you, right? But it is something powerful when you confess it with your mouth and you speak it to him and say, God, I'm aware of it. And I want you to know that I know that you're aware of it. And now that I'm, now that I'm actually addressing it and speaking it, confessing it, I need help with this. Because I will never move forward. I will never grow to my full potential until this is dealt with. So... Um, what is the, the state of the relationships in your life or what obstacles are preventing or hindering growth? So to face the brutal facts or where you are, uh, but, do, uh, but do not lose hope of what you can be. Hold on to the God-given vision that he has given you. Um, because I believe that everyone in this room, as we have, we've already said and established, everyone in this room, we have room for growth. So don't lose hope and say, well, I can't. Yes, you can. Absolutely, can't. Can. Can't. Not a word. Yep. Yep. 
I can't do that. That's why I, I tell my boys, I can't. Mm-mm. Well, you'll talk yourself right out of it. You will. You will talk yourself right out of something. And that's spiritual too. You will talk yourself out of something that God has for you. If you tell yourself, I can't do it. Can't do it. I just don't have it in me. You're right. You probably don't have it in you. But you and God together, Amen. it can happen. It can happen. It has, God has to be involved in the equation. Or we won't do half the things that we really would like to do in life. All right, so number four, the internal engine. Your motivation must come from within. I'm not talking about, uh, you know that song, uh, Mariah Carey, uh, Hero? You know what I'm talking about? You know the hero? Maybe. Anybody know the Mariah Carey hero? Just checking everybody. Nobody knows heroes? Do you ever know that you're my hero? No? Oh, I have heard that. Yeah? Is that a Christmas song? Huh? No, it's not a Christmas song. <laughs> so basically, the he, if you go listen to Mariah Carey's Hero, if you go listen to it and your wife's like, what are you doing? Like, pastor told me to. But if you listen to Hero, she's basically motivating herself. She's telling herself, like, you can do this. Oh, oh, oh. It's, it's just, so I'm not talking about. Maybe, maybe I should have said, country boy can't survive. There we go. Yeah, that's it. You're you're motivating yourself. Since somebody knows what hero is. Everyone's like Mariah Carey. So, all right. Uh, It's got to be more than just some little kind of motivational speech or song to motivate yourself to do something. Those who continually require external motivation will never reach their full potential. What's that mean? If you require a cheerleader every day to get up and do something meaningful, then there's a good chance you're probably not going to do a whole lot that's meaningful and with purpose, right? Has to come from within. Mm-hmm. So the first, um, well, let's look at this. This, is, this was kind of interesting to me. So the first uh, industrial revolution changed the way that the world operated. The manual production of goods gave way to mechanical production process. Steam engines were created using external combustion, which paved the way for steam trains, which changed long-distance transportation. However, horse and buggy were still more efficient for short distances. But in 1860, the first internal combustion engine was created. Power was supplied from within. This led to the horseless carriage and eventually the Ford Model T in 1908, which forever changed the world, providing greater individual freedom through personal transportation. Today, there are 122 million households in America, 276 million vehicles in America. That is more than two cars per home. So we can't imagine life without our personal vehicles. Could you imagine having to ride a horse everywhere we go? Be a little different. It'd be a lot cheaper on gas. All of that was made possible by a switch from external to internal combustion. That switch changed everything from the external to the internal. So when you have a portable source of power, you will have great freedom. It gave freedom to the people to jump into a car and take off. So understand that you... You have to have it inside of you to do this, to make this change. To say, I have purpose. I want to, I want to increase in who I am. I want to increase my walk with God. I want to better myself. I want to have a deeper relationship with him. I want to improve my relationship you know, with, with my wife or my kids or whatever it may be. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. Uh, I want to be a better saint for the church. Whatever it is, you say that I, I want to do that. It has to come from within. That you cannot rely on, on someone um, for the right person to come along and speak the right word to you and encourage you to do it. Or you can't wait for the right feeling. Oh, I just got just a good feeling. Man, this, I got this feeling. We can't, you can't wait on your, your feelings. Or the perfect timing just to come along so you can discover your purpose and reach that potential. But you will probably be waiting forever if that's what you're waiting on. If you're waiting on someone to come and just and give you that right amount of encouragement, then you're going to be waiting around for a long time. But there has to be something inside of you that says, I want this for myself. I want this change for myself. I want to improve myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to end even this year. We're just like, here we are. Just a little over 
a month away from Christmas, believe it or not. You could say by the end of the year, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your family, one, you know, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your family is say, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going to be a better father by the end of this year. I'm going to make improvements, and no one's going to have to tell me. You know, pastor's not going to come to my house every day and say, James, you got this. Come on, James, get out of Get out of bed. Let's go. Right, let's go. Make change today. <laughs> I'm not. I, I. They can't do that. All right. Get a good alarm clock. I mean, the, <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah. That'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? But it, it it takes you wanting to do this. It takes you saying, "I've got to make the change for myself. I've got to get myself up." You know, I had there was a, another preacher, in preacher, he's an evangelist, and he was saying that the Lord really started challenging him to get up early in the morning. And start praying and reading his Bible. And he said that he prayed and said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? And the Lord said, 5 a.m. He said, great. I hate mornings. <laughs> he said, I'm not a morning person. Uh, and he said that at first it was a struggle. He said, but I had to. He said, I, I couldn't have my wife. He said, she's a morning person. She's up early. He said, but I didn't ask her, hey, will you come in and pull me out of bed and make me do this? No. No. He said, the Lord challenged me. He's like, but he did not, he didn't wake me up. He said, I wasn't like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 5 o'clock. He said, I had to change myself. Yeah. I had to have the want inside of me to say, okay, uh, I want to be that person. I want to make that change. When he was telling me this, it was a year out from when that took place. He said, I'm a different person. Today. He said, I'm not, he said, I'm not bragging when I tell you this. He said, but my relationship with God is at a place that has never been before. He said, I thought I knew how to pray. He said, I'm a full-time evangelist. He said, I preach all the time. I travel all the time. He said, I pray. He said, I thought I knew how to pray until I listened to the Lord and I challenged myself to say, okay, if this is what you want from me, then I'll make that change. He said, I've become a different person, a better person all around. Because I wanted that enough to say, okay, it's going to cost me something, sleep. I'm going to have to change my routine around. I'm actually going to have to start going to bed a little earlier. He said, but I'm a better person because of it. But he had to want that for himself. So we can't wait around for someone to say, oh, you got this. You can do this. Uh, we got to do it. So Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If you watch every cloud... They never harvest. So you have to take action when you don't feel like it. He didn't feel like getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, but he did it. All right? You have to take that leap of faith before you, ha before you have it all figured out. You can't wait for perfect circumstances or perfect conditions in just the right moment because it never comes. So if you're looking for affirmation or fulfillment in a relationship outside of a relationship with God... You will live a disappointed and frustrated life. Okay? I'll say it one more time. If you're looking for affirmation or fulfillment in a relationship outside of your relationship with God, you will live a dis disappointed and frustrated life. All right. So you won't find that fulfillment in a relationship that you have to bring, that you have to bring it into a relationship. So if you always, if you're always needing a word from somebody else, confirmation from someone else, you will never go to the word yourself to find it. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the word of God right here. I talked about this Sunday, preached about this Sunday, actually. So to go to the word, if we're constantly looking for someone else to give me a word, right? So when I was, would have been nine years ago, uh, now nine years ago, when I was truly trying to figure out like, where am I supposed to go? God, what am I supposed to do? I felt the youth pastoring thing was coming to an end. I knew, I knew there was a call in my life to pastor. I, I knew that was there. I didn't doubt it. And I, 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 I said, okay, Lord, you know, what does that look like? And it was very tempting to say like, okay, Lord, if I go to camp meeting, uh, I'm going to pray that somebody will just come give me a word. Lord, come, so let somebody come to me and just speak, speak something. Here's, here's where you need to go. On this date and at this time, you need to pack up your family and go. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> no. It, I've shared this story. You know, you probably all heard it. And you're probably like, I could probably tell it, Pastor. 
But it took me completely submitting to God's word. It took me praying. It took me getting into his word and saying, God, you speak to me. Let me hear your voice. He said, well, did he really speak to you that night? And I didn't hear any voice, but the Lord spoke. The Lord moved in a mighty way. And that next morning is when I got the phone call to come down here and try out to be the pastor. That quick. So we can't sit around and wait for somebody else to come give us a word when God's saying, I'm just waiting to give you a word, but you got to position yourself to hear it. God wants to speak to us. All right. Um, so you must have that internal engine, that uh, internal motivation that keeps you going when no one else is cheering you on. When no one's telling you, good job, you still got to do the good job, right? You still got to keep going. All right. Uh, so those who have the internal motivation, a portable source of power, they are just spectators, um, but participators in life. So they don't, they, they do not wait for change. They create change. Um, they don't, uh, they do not wait for others to inspire them. They inspire others. That's when you know, like, okay, that's, I've made some changes. I'm on the right path. Is that you're not constantly waiting for somebody to inspire you to get up and do something, but you're the one that's actually inspiring somebody else to get up and do something. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is just by how you live your life. I mean, if you got kids in here, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if you walk in your house, I promise you, if you walk in your house over a month period of time, and everything you have in your hand, you're just like, man, somebody else picked it up. I promise you, before you know it, your kids are going to walk in, and they're going to take their shoes off, and they're going to take their clothes off, and they're going to be like... My mom will get it. Mm -hmm. that already right? <laughs> so, you better put a stop to it now. What I'm saying is, they've learned it from somewhere. Right? We're inspiring them, not in a great way. But, here's, here's the point if we can inspire them to do things that drives us nuts, that means that we have the capability to inspire them to do things that will put them on the right path to get where God, get them where God wants them to be. Yeah. So it's simply that they're watching us and that we have the ability to help them get to that place. We just have to get ourselves to that place and start making changes ourselves. All right. So <clears throat> uh, those who have the internal motivation have a portable source of power. They are not just spectators, but... They are participators in life. Be a participator in life. So these are four, let's look at these four important keys on this journey to discovering purpose. We talked about the fallacy of time, the power of vision, the brutal facts, and the internal engine. All right, so let's look at this, some growth activities. So these are practical ways to accomplish what we have just discussed. Uh, all growth is intentional. All growth is intentional, right? It's intentional. It is a choice and a continual pursuit. So it's not going to happen in five minutes. We understand that. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen in five minutes. It might not happen in five days. And some things in life might not happen in the next five years. It might take you a long time to achieve that goal or to fulfill that purpose or to catch on to that vision and really start heading towards it. It takes time to make change. It's that simple. Like I said earlier, I can't say... Yeah, I want to be 140, or I want to be 140 pounds. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing that. 240 pounds. Like, I can't just say I want to do that and wake up tomorrow morning and be like, man, everything's big on me. Look at this. Look what I did. No. I, I, can't, I can't wake up and go to the gym tomorrow morning and then go back and get on the scale and be like, seriously? I mean, I lost like a couple ounces. Like, that's all I lost. I, I mean, I can't be disappointed, right? Because... I have to have that mindset. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort, and it's going to take consistency in that effort to, to go after it and not just say, well, I expect it to happen now. That's not, how, that's not how it works. It is a lifelong journey. That's what I want us to understand tonight, especially as, as men of God. You know, as we are, we're, we're trying to be kingdom-minded, and we're men that work for the kingdom and we're going to do things for the kingdom of God, if that's who we're going to be, it is a lifelong journey. It is not something that you can say, hey, you know, um, I'm going to try to make a few improvements and 
a year from now, eh, I might do something else. No, it's a lifelong journey that you say, well, hey, uh, I'm going to try to be a, a better dad and whatever I am by the end of next year, that's what I'm going to be for life. No, there is always growth. Uh, it doesn't matter when your kids grow up, they move out. Your words, you being there, you being that steady you know, rock for them is going to mean something to them because you're constantly growing as you're continually growing. Even when they move out, they're looking to you and like, dad's still growing, so therefore I'm going to still grow. Right? Because we're that, that great example unto them. All right, um, you, now uh, we talked about trying to figure out what it is, what's, what does the Lord have for me, what's my purpose. Uh, you might not find it right in the beginning. You might not hear a voice right in the beginning. It's fine. Uh, wait on the word. Wait on the Lord to speak. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. As I told you, I pursued, you know, for two years, some of you in this room know this, but for two years I pursued, my wife and I pursued uh, New York City. We were going to start a church in New York City. And we tried for two years, and every door that was open slammed shut in our face. And I just didn't make sense. I was like, but Lord, I thought that door was open by you, and it just closed. For two years, that took place. And I realized that's not what he had for me. Timing was everything. And when the Lord spoke, boom, that quick. That quick. I mean, I'm talking. I prayed that prayer at 1 o'clock in the morning, and my pastor called me at 8. That quick. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, when the Lord wants to move, when the Lord wants to do something, he'll do it. But you got to stay consistent until he does. All right, patience is so important to allow the process to grow and to occur. Uh, don't get in a hurry. Uh, listen to what the psalmist said here about Joseph. He said that in Psalms 105, 17 to 20. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, uh, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until, listen here, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. So while you are waiting, God is preparing great potential for you. God knows what you have inside of you. He knows the potential you have more than you know. There are things that God's going to do in you and can do through you if we simply just allow him to do that. We just have to make ourselves available. All right. Um, <clears throat> so the self-assessment, um, I want you, we can do this. You can do this at home. I know we're, I don't want to go over it tonight. Um, but I want you to do this this week. I want you to have a heart-to-heart -heart with yourself. Find yourself a quiet place, wherever that is. Maybe it's on your way to work or maybe it's, you know, at work or uh, whatever. If you're going to be out in the deer blind any this week, whatever it is, just find that quiet place. And I want you to have a heart to heart with yourself. Um, and I want you to really examine yourself, examine your life and just be real with yourself. That brutal facts I talked about, I want you just to be brutal with yourself. And it's like, man, I, you know, I really, I've, maybe I've messed up. Maybe I've fallen short in some areas, you know, examine yourself. If, if you're a husband here tonight, examine yourself as a husband and really just look at yourself and say, hmm, you know, do I, do I do everything? Do I, do I love my wife, as the Bible says, as Christ loves the church? Mm -hmm. If you're going to compare yourself, it's biblical. Amen. It says, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. Mm -hmm. Do I do that? You know, as a father, maybe check yourself and just say, you know, do I love my kids as the Lord loves me? As his child, you know, we are going to be perfect in it. No, but there's room for improvement. So be brutally honest with yourself. Have that heart to heart this week. And then I want you to, I want us all to do this, just a self, that self assessment. And I want you just to write a few things down. Um, maybe a few areas of your life you could do this in. Uh, if you want to write this down real quick, you can, you take this paper with you. Um, maybe there's some people in here, maybe education. Maybe there's something you say, well, what's that got to do with, does it have anything to do with like my walk with God? Nope. I mean, maybe that's something you can look at in your life and say, you know, that, that's a goal. I, there's, there's potential for me to maybe do something more. Maybe, you know, maybe there's just a personal goal you have. Um, for me, I mean, I was the first person in my, my family to go to college, graduate college. 
um, it was a goal. I just, it was a challenge I set for myself and, um, and did it, you know, and it was like, I, and I honestly, I'll tell you, I was the first person to say that, you know, I, I don't know if I could ever do that. <laughs> I really don't know if I could. Um, but it took determination to say, yes, I, you know, I think I can. And it took a whole lot of hard work. It took falling asleep on textbooks. You know, I was married and had kids when I was going to college. And there was a lot of times Sister B would come down three or four o'clock in the morning and I'm drooling all over my textbooks. So I'm sound asleep, you know, and she's waking me up like, go to bed. Um, yeah, it's, it, but if you want to do something bad enough, you see the potential. And I was like, you know what? And it wasn't, you know, and I'll tell you, yes, it was nice to have a wife that said, hey, I believe in you. You can do it. But it, that was good. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> like, I know you do because you're my wife. You love me. But it took me to say, if I really want this, then I've got to tell myself I really want this and I can do this. You know? And when that day came, you know, I got to walk um, for graduation. It was like, wow, I really did this. <laughs> I think this really happened. Um, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's something educational or maybe health-wise. Maybe you say, you know, I've really been wanting to get healthier. Um, and I've talked about it for a long time. But I've really never put effort into it to get it, make it happen. Um, well, you said, what's that have to do? Well, husband, father. Um, it's a temple for the Lord. So maybe we say, well, I can take better care of myself. Uh, I could be here a little longer, be here for my family. So that's good. Uh, maybe it's finances. Maybe you want to make some changes there. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's family, uh, family time, be quality family time, spiritual life, uh, whatever you want to add to that list. But if you will, I want you this week just to kind of go through there and just set yourself some goals of what you want to do and where you want to see yourself um, maybe six months from now. This is where I really want to go. I want you to prayerfully consider these questions. Prayerfully consider these questions. When you look at these, pray, Lord, speak to me about this. And then have that time this week to go and just find that place where you can talk to him and confess those things to him that maybe you know that you're dealing with. Maybe there's just some strongholds in your life that you really want to, you just want to get rid of. There's some things holding you back um, from reaching your full potential. And you just say, Lord, I really want those things to go. Um, all right. And then assemble the resources you need to grow. Here's it. So your rule of five, what we talked about earlier, the five, five steps we talked about in the beginning. The Bible is a resource. A journal, if you like writing, if you like writing, it's a great way to do it. Write these things down, journal it. Daily prayer time. Um, a way to serve in the church or in your community. Um, spiritually enriching books. If you want, if you want any um, uh, books, recommendations, you can see me after class. I can give you some recommendations that are really good for men to read. Um, and then uh, just a, a regimen of, of physical exercise, maybe, if, that's what, if it's health you're looking at. Uh, an accountability partner. There's a good one. Accountability partner. Uh, that will kind of, you know, you can feed off of each other. Um, and then uh, the biggest thing I think is just simply talking to the Lord. Just talking to the Lord um, this week. So um, let's go ahead and, and if you wrote those things down, we'll, we'll close out in prayer tonight and ask the Lord just to challenge us this week. And one of the biggest things that I think a lot of times we don't pray for, um, I think sometimes we pray for the Lord to challenge us. Um, but I think a lot of times as Christians, we don't pray for the Lord to convict us. Uh, like we, we're okay with the Lord challenging us, but the conviction part is like, oh, that's a hard one. When the Lord really starts convicting you of things that in your life. But we need that. As men, we need that. As Christians, we need that. Lord, convict me of these things. If it's not of you, if you're not happy with it in my life, then Lord, let me know that so I can start pursuing a direction to get rid of this stuff in my life. So because I, I, I want us to be men that are growing, moving forward, right? We don't want to stay where we're at. We should look different. We should look different in six months, all right? Spiritually, maybe physically, you know, we should look a little different in six months from now. If, if we're hungry for it and we want it, we want some potential to be reached in our life. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. God, thank you for challenging us, Lord. God, I pray right now, God, if you would, to convict us, Lord. Let there be God, conviction in our life this week. God, point things out, Lord, in our life that's not of you, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord God, that we would strive, Lord God, the potential that you have in us, Lord. 
God, I pray, Jesus, that you would right now, God, this week, Lord, God, push us to places that we never thought we'd ever go, Lord. God, I pray, God, if you would, Lord, let our eyes be open, God, through prayer, through your word. God, I pray, God, through discussions, Lord, with friends, Lord, uh, God, through spiritual leaders, Lord, I pray, God, if you would right now, Jesus, help us to grow, God, to the potential that you have for us, Lord. Let us be better husbands. God, let us be better fathers, Lord. Let us be better friends, better saints, Lord. God, let us, God, let us strive for something that is better in your kingdom, Lord God. God, let us be God, just better Christians, Lord, in our walk with you, Lord Jesus. God, strengthen our relationships this week, Lord God, with you, I pray. God, speak, Lord God, through every man in this room. God, speak to him and speak through him into his home, Lord. This week, I pray, Lord God, let us grow, God, the potential that you have for us and stay focused on the vision, Lord God, you've spoken to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen.